0: Why don't you turn in your Bibles with me this morning to Romans chapter 1. I appreciate uh, Michael filling in last week and bringing the Word of God to you. And it was very appropriate for yesterday as we did a little house cleaning. And would remind you guys, if you didn't get to listen to that sermon, to go back and listen to that because it's a great message on a spiritual house cleaning and replacing the things that we need to get out of our life. Um, so Romans chapter one, verse 18 through 21, uh, maybe we'll get to 21, but definitely to chapter or verse 20, uh, this morning, but let's pause and pray once again before we begin and then we'll unpack God's word. Father, we thank you again for this morning. Thank you most of all for your son, Jesus Lord. We thank you that you came that you lived as a human perfectly, that you gave your life for us that you sacrifice so much on our behalf that we might have peace with the Father. Lord, we will never get over it, not 10,000 upon 10,000 years of eternity, that we will still sing praises to your name. We will be minded of your great love for us. And Father, until that day, you have placed us here with a mission, and that mission is to glorify you in this world, Lord, to proclaim to others the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we pray this morning as we just study the word, Holy Spirit, that you would fall on us, that you would enable me to preach what you want said. And Father, I pray that by your spirit, your people would hear what they need to hear. We give you the glory for it right now because you and you alone deserve it. And we pray that in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 21. Let me read that to you, and then we'll go back and begin to make a few comments on it. Verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that which they, that may be known of God is manifest in them, For God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were they thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart, was darkened. Let's just stop there because that is a lot to cover in the time that we have this morning. When we look at this, last time that I preached we talked about Romans chapter 1 verses 16 and 17 and that is the theme of the book of Romans and that is this, is that Paul says that I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God unto salvation. And as we look at that verse, we we understand that Paul was saying, look, I understand that when I preach the gospel, God is doing something in a supernatural fashion." In my prayer this morning, it's a relief when I pray, knowing that as I step into the pulpit and begin to proclaim the word of God, that God is moving in a supernatural way. There are things that are transpiring when we speak the word of God that are beyond the natural realm of man. God is involved, and whenever God is involved in anything, it is supernatural. It is, the, it is beyond the, the natural things of man. So we listed there were several things from that message of why that we should not be ashamed of the gospel. But immediately following that statement about not being ashamed of the gospel, Paul begins with a bold expla- uh, explanation about the wrath of God and man's ungodliness and his unrighteousness. And I, I really believe that there is such an urgent need for us today as God's people to carry on this same message, understanding that, that man is in a, in a bad place. Mankind is in a bad place. And, and we live in a day when we don't like to talk about God's wrath but it is part of the Word of God. As a matter of fact, Paul says and it begins before you can understand the good news, you need to understand the bad news. And so he begins with the wrath of God before he begins to talk about the love of God. Well, again, man can't fully appreciate that good news until he understands that bad news. It's an unfortunate fact that much of the preaching, much of our Life teaching, much of the way that we live in the world today does not make that evident to those that are around us. We as Christians must come to a place where we are like the watchman that Ezekiel 33 speaks of. I wanted to turn there and read that for you this morning because I think it's important. Ezekiel chapter 33, you can turn there or you can just listen. And I just want you to think about what the Lord is saying here. Verse one says, again, the word of the Lord came unto me saying, son of man, speak to the children of thy people and say unto them. Note that he says, don't speak to the children of my people. He says, your people. He says, speak this. When I bring the sword upon a land, if the people of the land take a, a man of their coast and set him as a watchman, if when he see the sword come upon the land, he blow the trumpet and warn the people, then whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet and taketh not warning, if the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. In other words, if that, that, that watchman is warning and saying judgment is coming, wrath is coming, and if he doesn't take heed to the warning, he says that blood is on his head. It's on him, it's his responsibility. Verse five, he heard the sound of the trumpet and took not warning, his blood shall be upon him. But he that taketh warning shall deliver his soul. The person who hears the warning, who understands the warning and takes heed to the warning, he says that person, his soul will be saved. Verse 6. But if the watchman see the sword come and blow not the trumpet and the people be not warned, if the sword come and take any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity. But his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. I want you to think on that a moment. How many, how many churches will stand and preach something other than the word of God today? How many Christians will live lives without ever proclaiming the danger that mankind is in? And God wants to make it clear. He says, listen, that, that person who is outside of God will die in their sin, but he says, there's gonna be an accounting for the man that was on the wall. Does he mean that he brings his wrath on us? No, but I think think certainly he brings discipline to that church and to those believers who refuse to call out the warning. Can I get a slight amen? Well, that is the place where Paul finds himself this morning. He is crying out a warning to the people that he is preaching to. He is saying that there is the wrath of God. And again, when we look at verse 18, here is our first point, the revelation of God's wrath. God is revealing his wrath. Let me read that verse again. uh, And it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. While it is throughout the gospel message that God's righteousness is made known, he also says that his wrath is revealed from heaven. We need to understand a little bit about the wrath of God. What does, what does that mean? The wrath of God uh, is, is intense. And just again, with this understanding this morning, church, that we need to have an appreciation of of, of the bad news before we can understand the good news. I think all of us here, I would hope all of us here this morning understood that in our own lives, that we came to a and we realized that we were already under the condemnation of God because we were sinners and we came to the place of saying, Lord, forgive me for my sin and we turned to Christ in sin, amen? So we understood that there was something in our lives that, that was making God angry there. So again, we need to recognize the wrath before we really can understand God's grace. And there is is a need for us to to understand that what we are saved from, and and, and why I'm saying that is we may know that ourselves, but when we share the gospel with people, we must not shy away from this truth, is that they are under God's wrath. That, as a matter of fact, Paul says later, that that he says that they are saved from the wrath to come. The Lord has his wrath, says he stores it up, that that is just piling up for the ungodly. Well, before we can move to that place of understanding peace and eternal life and, and the personal growing relationship with the Lord, we need to understand wrath. And the word wrath used here in this text refers to God's righteous anger. You see, it's sometimes it's hard for us to grasp this, that, that the Lord is perfect in love, and at the same time, He's perfect in anger. The Lord is perfect in mercy, but He is perfect in judgment. And there's no shadow in that whatsoever. He is, he is God, and so uh, he's not bad at one time and not good at one time. He's not merciful at one time and judgmental. He is perfect in both of, all of those, and they always balance out. But when we talk about his wrath, it is his righteous anger. Is, it is a justifiable abhorrence of evil. And we need to understand that. It carries the idea that God will reach out and that he will punish the unrighteous and ungodly acts of mankind. That's what God's wrath is. It's not God winking at sin. It's not God saying, well, I understand, you know, you guys are gonna be okay, we'll just let that slide. No, God says, my wrath will reach out and punish the guilty. Otherwise, he would not be God. Because he has, to, he has to bring judgment for ungodly behavior because of his holiness, because of his righteousness. He must be a God that will bring justice and judgment. In today's culture, what we have is a great lack of seeing God's wrath. I think part of that is because we live in an age of grace. I mean, we, we really do. I mean, we have the, the gospel message being preached. We, we have been blessed in this country beyond measure in those things and in this culture. However, God does say that he has revealed his wrath from heaven. And then it's like, how is his wrath revealed? How does that, how do we see that? I think that we become so numb uh, at times to seeing what's going on around us, especially in today's world, that we are numb to the idea of God really revealing his wrath. But let me just kind of, uh, Matthew Henry, let me quote him first. Matthew Henry has said concerning uh, the revelation of God's wrath that it is by light and it is by law. It is through creation, it is through physical judgment, it is through the preaching of his word, it is even the inward conscience of man. And here's some examples of God's wrath concerning man. We go back all the way to the beginning with an Adam and Eve. We know the story. I've preached it many times, said it many times, referenced it many times in sermons. And we know that God had put Adam and Eve in that perfect environment. And he'd give them the free reign everywhere except for one area. And he says, don't eat from this tree. Because the day that you eat from this tree, you will surely die die sometimes i think that we don't realize that god's wrath was expressed on that day when he came down and he says adam where are you at and adam says we hid from you why did you hide from me adam because we were naked who told you that you were naked have you eaten from the tree that i told you not to eat and because of that god's wrath was exposed Because of his holiness and his righteousness, he could not let that sin of rebellion go unchecked. And so what happened is, that day, because of Adam and Eve's rebellious sin, it has brought death upon all men. That is God's wrath revealed. He says, I must judge. I will bring punishment for sin. Now, you guys know that I've said this many times and I can't prove it, but I believe that the animal that was killed and the skins that were used, I believe it was a lamb because that is consistent with the rest of the Bible. That God killed lamb, he clothed them in skins, showing them that their works would never do. Remember, they tried to cover themselves up with with leaves and saying, we're going to hide our nakedness, we're going to hide our sin. And God says, your work will never do. And he says, it's only going to be this way. And he says, watch what is six and a half. And he takes that animal. He kills that animal. They see bloodshed. And then he clothes them, letting them know that it's only going to be by the shed blood that their sin can be covered. His wrath revealed. Not only there, but we see his wrath revealed in the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. A, a, a town, an area, a province that thought that they could flaunt their sinful ways and, and their uh, meanness and their hardness and their sexual perversion. And, and God says, listen, I'm, I'm going to go down and I'm going to see if it's as bad as it is. And we know the story as he goes to Abraham and, and Abraham pleads and says, listen, if, if we can just find a few righteous people there and we finally get down to 10 and there's not even 10 righteous that are there. And so God comes in, and in his mercy, he removes Lot and his daughters. We know his wife, the story with her. She turns back and looks and turns into a pillar of salt. But God completely destroys those two cities with hellfire, sulfur, brimstone. Did you know that you can? they think they have found that area? And it shows charred remains and with a, a certain type of sulfur that only comes from high-intensity heats. Kind of matches up with what the Bible says, doesn't it? You see, God shows his wrath from heaven. He, he reveals his wrath from heaven. So we have that in... in, uh, in um, Adam and Eve. We have it in Sodom and Gomorrah. We have it in the life with Noah. Noah preached 120 years. Why did he preach 120 years? Because God says, in my mercy, I'm giving man time to repent. But there came a point that he says, enough, and I am going to let my wrath loose. We have, you know, in our minds sometimes that, you know, that the ark is about the, you know, the, the little giraffes and the elephant that we see in the nursery. I think in our minds that we need to have this, and we probably need to teach our children at some time, listen, there would be dead bodies floating everywhere, both of animals and of humans. I'm sure that if you could find the ark, there would probably even be today broken fingernails off into the door area where men would claw at the door trying to get in. But there was a point that God says, enough, and I'm going to unleash my wrath and judgment on a wicked and sinful people. It's a sobering message, isn't it? It it, it is to to read through it. It is to study it. It is to contemplate. It is to preach. It is to hear a sobering message. The Egyptians at the Red Sea, they were wiped out as God's wrath poured out on them. I heard somebody speaking about the Egyptians and the Israelites as they stood at the Red Sea and, and by faith, they stepped out as God raised the two walls of water and they walked across the base of the sea floor safely to the other side. They did that by faith. And yet the Egyptians come along behind and they see that that the the Israelites are able to move across and they make the presumption that because the Israelites have been able to do it, that they will be able to do it as well. I I just want to say, folks, there is a big difference between faith and presumption. Faith carried the Israelites across. Presumption brought God's judgment, and they were destroyed. The the Bible says never to be seen. They were gone. You see, God says that he pours out and he reveals his wrath from heaven. And I think that we need to to recognize that. I don't want to get too far ahead into our message For the next couple of weeks, but let me just say this, that if you do not think that we are experiencing the wrath of God in this country right now, you are blind. You're naive. You're not accepting what's going on. We are, as Dr. Graham has said, we're not heading toward the wrath of God. We are in the wrath of God. And I will walk through the scriptures to prove that over the next few weeks. Well, the good thing here is that in these examples of God's judgment, we see mercy through the cross of Christ. And can I just say that the most horrendous act of unrighteousness being judged and seeing the wrath of God was poured out on our savior, Jesus Christ. That's where we see God's wrath. You see, because he could not let sin go unpunished, but in his great mercy, he says, I will provide a way for man that he won't have to experience my wrath. And all of his wrath for every sin that you and I have committed in the past, today, and in the future, God's wrath was poured out on Christ for that. Well, God's wrath will ultimately be revealed on the Lord's day. He will come and he will just begin to to pour his wrath out on it. Now, one of the great things that I want to encourage you in heart this morning is is his people are, this is a great place for an amen, his people are not appointed unto wrath. Right, And that's an, encouraging, that's an encouraging message for it. It doesn't mean that we are not appointed for persecution. As a matter of fact, we are. We, we will suffer for the name of Christ. If we're going to live godly lives, count on suffering for that, that life. Did you know that even today, just to bring out how that this thing is just sweeping across the world, this persecution idea, we know that that, that Christians give their lives on a daily basis around the world, but even in the quote, uncivil or the civilized nations, right now the Billy Graham Crusade uh, Association, whatever it is, they filed a lawsuit in Scotland because a town in Scotland refused to rent a room uh, to a group of people who just wanted to teach people how to evangelize, they said because it goes against their core principles. We're moving into an era that Christianity is trying to be that the the council culture is trying to shut it down and it is happening at a rapid, rapid pace. The church uh, Grace Community Church or whatever it was in Canada where they surrounded the place with a giant fence and and razor concertina wire at the top and brought 200 royal mounted police in to make sure no Christians could get into worship. That's been within the last three weeks and and it's, it's moving quickly. Why? Because I think the devil knows that the time is coming to an end. And with the intensity, he is pouring out his wrath on us, but his wrath is nothing compared to what is coming with the wrath of God. So we've talked about the revelation of God's wrath. Let's talk about the reservation of God's wrath. Those who are reserved for God's wrath. Well, we read that and it says... um, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against, listen, and if you write in your Bible, you know, you can just a, a circle, underline, highlight all, right? That word's important. He says that it is reserved for all, but who are the all that he is speaking of? He says all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth and unrighteousness. So who is it reserved for? Well, it is for all the ungodly. And that word ungodliness means this. It means a lack of reverence for, devotion to, and worship of the true God. A, a lack of reverence for, devotion to, and worship of the true God. Now, it, only the Lord knows who are his own for sure. We look at people's lives by fruit, but I'm going to tell you what, this, an alarming thing for me as a pastor. It's when I see people float in and out of church so nonchalantly and that they take God for granted and who He is. Sometimes I think it goes back to what we were talking about. There are those who are truly in the faith, and those are some who presume that they're okay if they hang out with God's people. They think somehow that they're going to cross over the Red Sea without having that commitment to their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and in that, when we see that there's this this description again, a lack of reverence for, I'm gonna tell you, it's a dangerous place when everything else takes precedence in the life of a person rather than reverencing God. It it is a dangerous place when there is a false devotion to and a false worship of the God. I want you to listen to what uh, Enoch said and we find that over in Jude, which is the, the book right before Revelation. And verse 14 and verse 15, here's what Enoch says. And Enoch, Enoch is that guy, you remember, that he walked with God and was no more. He is a, a kind of a picture of what the rapture is going to be like. Folks, one of these days, we're going to be like Enoch. We're just going to be walking along, and we're going to be with the Lord. I, I think that, I hope that we're, we're the generation that sees the rapture. Now, verse 14 says, and Enoch also Seventh from Adam prophesied of these, speaking of these ungodly, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. That's specifically referencing the time when the Lord is going to come back to the earth and bring judgment. Why is he coming? Verse 15 To execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly, among them all their ungodly deeds which have ungodly committed and all of their hard speeches, which are ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Why is he coming to bring that wrath? Because of their ungodliness. Again, what is their ungodliness? Their ungodliness is a lack of reverence for. Folks, if we're ever living in a time where there is no reverence for God at all, especially in our country, and let's just look at our country for a moment. When we have the Congress in our, our country, I can't remember which one of them says, it says, make it, let it be really clear, there is no place for God here. I mean, what what an in-your-face type of statement. There's no place for God here. We're not concerned about God here. We're not devoted to God whatsoever. We will take and turn things around and worship other things rather than the true God. And God says, for that group of people, I have reserved my wrath. Now we say, well, who is that? It is every single human being that has not... Come to faith in Christ. That's who the ungodly are. We're not the ones to sit and say, well, this sin is okay and this sin is not. All sin is abhorrent to God. All sin. And we need to come to that that understanding ourselves so that we don't take sin in in a flippant type manner that we see that our smallest sin is what brought the wrath of God that brought Christ to the cross. That's our sin, the smallest sin. Not only that, he says, but it is coming on the unrighteous. Unrighteousness is a result of ungodliness. Unrighteousness is the way that we treat other people. Ungodliness is the way we treat God. Unrighteousness is the way that we treat others. It's kind of unique, isn't it? Isn't that what the 10 commandments talks about? That we have the commandments that speak about reverencing God, and then we have the commandments that speak about having a right relationship with other men. Well, when we have an ungodly view of life, you're gonna have an unrighteous view of human nature. Many times people say, why does God allow human tragedy? Well, it is because men are ungodly they fail to treat mankind righteously. Why do we see wars? Why do we see the wars that we see? Because men have an ungodly view of of who the Lord is. They don't respect him. They don't have reverence, devotion. They don't worship him. And so because of that, they have made themselves gods unto themselves and now they bring havoc on the world. Well, Men treat other men wrong because they treat God wrong. God hates the sin and yet loves the sinner. That, that is true. That, that is very true. But I want to go back to Ezekiel chapter 33 and verse 11, and I want you to just listen to what is said here. Say unto them, As I live, saith the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. But that the wicked turn from his way and live, turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways, for why shall you die, O house of Israel? God doesn't doesn't take pleasure in the death of the wicked. But at the same time, he's making that plea and saying, turn, turn from your sin and turn to me and your ungodliness and your unrighteousness. I don't take pleasure in that. But we also need to understand this, is that Psalm chapter 7 and verse 11 says that God is angry with the sinner every day. Every day God is angry with the sinner and that anger is a righteous anger that is going to explode in his wrath at some point. Now a person may walk through this life his entire life and and seemingly never see the wrath of God But let me just tell you, brothers and sisters, when that person who is outside of Jesus Christ dies, he will experience the wrath of God for eternity. He didn't escape it. He made the presumption that he was getting through on the dry land, thinking that he was going to get to the other side to pursue his own goals. And God says, no, my wrath is reserved for the ungodly and for the unrighteous. Finally, let me tidy it up with this, the reasons for God's wrath. Again, we have heard people say, how can God bring judgment on innocent men? Back to verse 18 again. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth and righteousness. That word hold there is very important because what that word means is that they suppress it they push it back. So men understand the righteousness and holiness of God. They know the truth of God. And yet they said they hold that truth. They suppress the truth. They push it back. They don't want the truth of God. And that is what it says. They hold truth in unrighteousness. They know what's right. Well, how's that? How does that happen? Well, In verse 19 and 20, God tells us that. Look at verse 19, he says, Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. How has he shown that into them? When you study study about theology, you understand there's general revelation. General revelation is this. General revelation is you can look at creation and understand there's a God. All mankind knows that. It's an impossibility, it is an impossibility not to recognize there is a creator that has created all of this. And if there is a creator that has created all of it, then he owns it. And if he owns it, he has the right to do whatever he wants to with it. And so man is without excuse because he says, from creation, I have made it known of who I am. That's a, great, that's a great way for you to answer somebody who says, well, how, how is that person in the farthest regions of the world going to, how, how can God hold him accountable? Because God has made it known from creation that he is God. You, you can't look at a human being. I, I saw a picture of a, of a human eye the other day and the first thing that hit me is like, isn't God amazing? That, that there's this, this eye that just is able to process so much and the layers of it, I mean, just every aspect of, of creation. I mean, I mean, it's foolish, I love what Ray Comfort says, you know, he, he points to people, he says, do you believe that, that there's a creator? Well, I'm not sure. He says, well, do you, do you think that somebody, do you think this book just came together? Does somebody have to write it? Does somebody have to put it together? Well, yeah, he says, so you say you have more faith in a book, but not in the fact that somebody has created, there is a creator of heaven and earth. You see, man knows, he knows there's a God. As a matter of fact, if you go to most countries, people worship, they will worship something. I've been in many countries where they worship statues, they worship saints, they worship idols, they worship demons in reality, is what they're worshiping. But man knows there is God from creation. He goes on to say in verse 20, he says, For the invisible things of him from creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. That that to me is, is amazing as well as he says, listen, not only am I known, he says, but the Trinity, the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit is spoken of in creation. Isn't that amazing? I mean, just, just think of a couple of phrases. Earth, wind, fire. Right? What, what are the others that we have some things? You know, sun, moon, stars. They all come in threes. Gas, liquid, solids. God has spoken things and he says, I've made these things evident to you. But the problem is, is man suppresses them. He He holds them down. He doesn't want to know the truth. And you say, okay, I get it, Jim. But what does that have to do with us? For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it's the power of God unto salvation to those who believe. It comes back to this, is that if we really believe that God's wrath is revealed, if we really believe that God's wrath is reserved and if we believe that he has a reason for this wrath and you and I have the responsibility to tell other people about Jesus Christ because the only way that a person can escape the wrath of God is through the cross of Christ right I mean that that is it in a nutshell And and there are a lot of people, I think, that um, are going to be very, very surprised one day because Matthew chapter 7 says that there will be a great amount of people who stand before the Lord and they say, Lord, Lord, they're they're sincere. He says, look at what we did for you. And he's going to look at them and say, I don't know who you are. Depart from me, you wicked. We need to tell people that there is a God who in heaven, who loves them so much that he gave his only begotten son. But we also need to say, if you think that you will escape God's wrath, you're playing the fool. We've got to let them know, hey, God is is going to to bring judgment. And to escape that judgment, you must come to Christ. I want to close it with this. Um, You guys remember Steve. Steve is gone now. He's in in Georgia getting ready to depart when he leaves for the army. But he sent me a a text this morning, and it's it's a quote. It's from a song. It says, if you could see what I once was, if you could go back with me, back to where I started from then, I know you would see a miracle of the love that put me in his sweet embrace and made me what I am today, just an old sinner saved by grace. He says, we well, sang this at church today, and it spoke to me. wanted to share it with you. You see, Steve was under the wrath of God. But God in his mercy, God in his mercy saved him and granted him repentance. And folks, that was right next door. I met another young man yesterday, or day before yesterday, right across the street. And sat down and prayed with him and talked with him. What I'm saying is, we have neighborhoods full of people just like Steve, and just like AJ. And if we really believe what the Bible says, then we need to be on the tower. We need to be on the wall, shouting the warning of Ezekiel 33, amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day that you've given us. We thank you, Lord, that we are not reserved for wrath, but we have experienced the grace of Jesus Christ. We pray this morning, Lord, that as we walk through this series, that we would constantly be reminded and balance out your wrath and your mercy, always giving thanks for how gracious and good you are to us and how that you saved us when we did not deserve it. But we pray too, Father, that there would be an urgency within our hearts to know Christ to know him in a deeper personal way so that we would share your love, Lord, with others, but that we would also warn them that if they reject your love, if they reject your son, that your wrath is reserved for them. We love you today and pray by your spirit that you would speak as only you're able to. Give us those opportunities, Lord, to share our faith and that we would be courageous and not be ashamed of this gospel.